All right, hello, Toll listeners. Kurt here. That silence is missed sales. Now, why? It's because you haven't met Shopify, at least until now. Now that's success. As sweet as a solved equation. Join me in trading that silence for success with Shopify. It's like some unified field theory of business. Whether you're a bedroom inventor or a global game changer, Shopify smooths your path. From a garage-based hobby to a bustling e-store, Shopify navigates all sales channels for you. With Shopify powering 10% of all U.S. e-commerce and fueling your ventures in over 170 countries, your business has global potential. And their stellar support is as dependable as a law of physics. So don't wait. Launch your business with Shopify. Shopify has award-winning service and has the internet's best converting checkout. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash theories. All lowercase, that's shopify.com slash theories. Today I had the pleasure of speaking again with Jeremy Corbell, a fellow documentary filmmaker who specializes in the phenomenon of what he calls the extraordinary, that is UFOs, aliens, etc. This was a live AMA conducted on June 23rd, 2021, and I'm extremely grateful that he spent as much time with me as he did, especially given the diluvial amount of work he must be under and stress just prior to the June report. If there are other people that you'd like me to speak to, such as George Knapp or Chris Mellon, or if the stars align, then Bob Lazar as well. Please, if there's some way, connect me. My Twitter is at Toe with Kurt. Again, it's listed here in the description. For those new to this channel, my name is Kurt Jaimungal. I'm a filmmaker with a background in mathematical physics who's interested in the explication of what's called theories of everything. That is from a theoretical physics perspective, but also from a philosophical perspective, even from a psychological perspective, perhaps even from the perspective of consciousness, that is, if consciousness has anything to do with the fundamental laws of nature. The sponsor for today's podcast is Algo. I recommend you visit them at algo.com. Algo is an end-to-end supply chain optimization software with software that helps business users optimize sales and operations, planning to avoid stockouts, reduce returns and inventory write-downs while reducing inventory investment. It's a supply chain AI that drives smart ROI. Headed by a bright individual by the name of Amjad Hussein, who's been a huge supporter of the podcast almost from its inception. If you'd like to hear more conversations like this, then please do consider supporting directly at patreon.com slash Literally every dollar helps, so whether you want to give $10, 50 cents, $1, nothing even. I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for your views. Please go to patreon.com slash or you can donate via PayPal or crypto, whatever you like. The plan is to have more conversations like this with the same intensity, the same... This conversation wasn't terribly technical, but generally the conversations are at a technical level. I would like to keep them like that, and that requires often weeks of preparation before I speak to a certain guest. For example, soon I'm speaking to Chris Langan, who has a cognitive theoretic model of the universe. He's someone who's known for having the highest IQ in America, and his theory is... Let's say it's it's not trivial, at least. Thank you so much, and enjoy. Oh, man. This is just a very exciting time. I mean, it really is. This is like a, about, a lot is about to happen. And look, you know, okay. with me, you've probably noticed, uh, you know, people are impassioned. So what you'll get Sorry. is a lot of people asking questions that really they're just trying to, you know, kind of dehumanize the messenger, me, 
so they can right, right. add hominid. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, no, look, look, the truth is the truth, man. Let's talk about it. Like, how did I get these videos? No, I don't work for a government agency. Let's talk about that. Let's clarify for everybody. With that said, you got a beautiful pink background. One of my favorite colors. That's 333 degrees. I love it. Let's do it. Let's do it, man. Thank you. And you can see me okay with the light and all that? I can see you fine. Okay. For the people watching, if okay. you're able to see this, type in Super Saiyan. So I know that you're watching this stream. <laughs> the first question comes from Flotilla. Has Jeremy ever seen a picture or a video of an ET, like an alien, let's say, that you thought was real? Wow. Jump right into it. Um, I couldn't say. How do you know if you're not there, man? Was there one that was especially convincing that gave you the moment that Joaquin Phoenix had in signs? <laughs> no. I'm not going to, you know, I can't, the, the, the way I work, the way I operate. So, so everybody, hey, everybody, hello, we're live. Okay, so listen, um, you know, Kurt's been really thoughtful, asked me to do this AMA. Totally happy to do it. Uh, unfortunately, I don't have all the answers. You know, I, I, I can't stand behind something that I haven't personally investigated, vetted, and had my hands on. So with that said, I, I, there is evidence that there are other beings engaging humanity. You know, hopefully one day we'll get more information on that very soon. But no, I can't personally say that I've seen something that I can stand behind. Someone wants to know, has your beard seen anything? <laughs> it's a great question. The mystery. That's what my wife calls my beard because you never know what food or drink I have in it. Um, you know, look, uh, thank you for the humor. I need that. I'm exhausted. This has been ever since, you know, April 8th when I dropped the first Pentagon confirmed UFO video. You know, look, I'm trying to survive. I'm trying to do my job, which is to represent the information that I put forward. I'm tired. My beard doesn't see anything I don't see. So no, unfortunately. <laughs> How are you no. doing these days with your health and your sleep? Um, you know, great. The past two weeks. No, it, it's great. But as I think we talked about last time, a weird question you asked me, uh, you know, I've got a kind of weird sleep pattern. So I'm just like, there's so much output. I'm sick of hearing my own voice. A, a lot's going on in the world. Everybody pay attention. Okay, the next question comes from Gonzalo Chavez. On a recent podcast with George Knapp, both of them hinted that there's more to come with Bo the Bob Lazar story. Is this true, first of all? And can you ask him if he can give us any more hints? This is true. The, you know, what Bob told you in 1989 on May 15th, what he told George Knapp, um, it's true. And I don't want to try to convince anybody of that, you know, I think the, the evidence will speak for itself as we move forward. Yeah, we're going to be hearing more. All roads will lead to Bob Lazar. That, that should be something that you know to be true intuitively with what we're hearing. Because as you know now, our government is studying UFOs. And, and that's just been proven. It's always been true. It's just been proven. So yeah, there's more coming with Bob Lazar. I really do believe that uh, all roads lead to what he told you on May 15th. 1989 through George. What do you Knapp. mean by all roads will lead to there? Meaning that the UFO topic, remember what Bob Lazar told you. He told you that the United States military was studying 
extraterrestrial spaceship, that they were trying to exploit those technologies and reverse engineer them. So now we're kind of getting to a point where we have to look at what he said with a little bit of a different angle now. So I, I do believe that, that all roads will lead to what he told you in 1989. All right. The next question comes from Amjad Hussein. Do you believe that there are structures in the deep sea or deep within the earth relative to this phenomenon? Well, it, it is established that there is a high amount of USO activity. So like we have UFO activity in the skies, the concept of a trans medium vehicle and what's going on under the water, that's very well established. I don't think it's common knowledge or common understanding, but I think that's it's going to become more common knowledge. I, you know, look, people take my words out of context and then they, they popularize one part of it. And so you might have heard me say, in some tabloid, they said, you know, like there's an embassy underwater. And what I meant by that is that if you're you're visiting a, a foreign land and, and you're going to be operating in that location, you know, planet Earth, that, that maybe there's a, a place that it's kind of like a, a way station, a place where, where people go and they, you know, prepare to do outings. And so this is kind of if the UFO reality is what we think it is collectively, right? If, it, if an element of it are ships, you know, technology from other worlds, if that is true, then it would make sense. You would have places to congregate, fuel up. I mean, I don't know. And then go from there. I don't know about inside the, I don't know what inside the earth means. I don't know what that means, but I can definitely say, you know, within our deep oceans, there is significant evidence to suggest that there are, I guess, resources and structures where craft would uh, go to dock and then move out from there. If that's true, great. I mean, I don't know. I haven't been under the water. I'm scared of sharks, you know? So, look, can I just say something, Kurt? Yeah, man. I, you know, I, I think science is slowly approaching this like abyss of the UFO reality. And yeah they're kind of peeking over the edge and, and it's cool to see like deep thinkers kind of grapple with this emergent reality uh, that we call the UFO presence. I know that it's going to come into fashion that we look at the UFO problem, which means, you know, a mystery that we want to solve. And, and people are going to say, you know, okay, great. There are UFOs. They're not us technology. These are probably unmanned, you know, probes looking at our earth. That, that is going to come back into fashion because that was in fashion in the 1960s when Congress got, got involved with this topic. I, I think that's the easiest hypothesis to believe for a lot of people's minds, but clearly these are not just like probes from another world, um, you know, to like map our landscape or something like that. We send one probe up to the moon and we've completely, and to Mars, let's say, and, and we can completely map the topography. You know, um, that doesn't take a lot. That theory excludes the bulk of the observational UFO history over time. And it maintains this pr presumption that like of the distance dilemma, right? So it says, oh, maybe there's a probe. There's been so much contact, too much contact. There's something bigger going on. 
So, so clearly this distance dilemma, the idea of nothing can travel faster than the speed of light, we, we now know that to be incorrect. So this idea that it's difficult to get from world to world, you know, within our galaxy, let's say, uh, that is representative of a data poor understanding of the evidence. The evidence suggests gravitational propulsion systems. The nature of a gravitational propulsion system eliminates and eradicates the distance dilemma. And I really want to nail that home because people say, oh, the, the universe, it's probably filled with people. People have had the chance of developing their technology far beyond what we've had just because they've had more time on their planets or whatever it is. The distance dilemma is an absolute sham. It is hubris by our scientific communities to say just because we don't know something, we're going to fill in the blank. So I kind of wanted to start this off with you saying, look, we're going to move into a new understanding. We are. It's there, There's no going back. We are. People are going to fill in the voids with nonsense. So we need to get out of our own way and look at the evidence, which has been there. The evidence has been there for, for decades. So, so now it's time that we, that we change our tonality. We eliminate the ridicule and, and the stigma. And we start looking at this and I'm sure you'll appreciate it from a scientific perspective. Just wanted to tell you that before we go. Yeah. On. Speaking of the scientific perspective, I'm wondering if there are any other podcasters or YouTube channels that you find to be trustworthy above board with regard to studying this phenomenon from a scientific perspective. You know, it, it's difficult for me to say I, I'm an investigative filmmaker. I'm, I'm not a scientist. I, I, I don't know. I, I just think that we need to look at it without superimposing our own bias or ideas. I'm gonna get over a hundred emails an hour where it's not only people are showing me evidence, uh, you know, obviously I've been releasing it, but they've been telling me their theories, you know what I mean? And, and, and I, I don't know, I don't know. I just know that we need to look at it without superimposing our bias on the UFO phenomenon, the UFO mystery. Okay, let me get to some of these audience questions from yeah, the go live ahead. chat. This Rapid is Alex shot. Guzzi. Alex Guzzi says, ask him why Chris Mellon said Bob Lazar was lying about his actual job, saying that his actual job was scanning radiation badges on workers. Right. I think that was on the Joe Rogan podcast. Um, so Chris Mellon had bad intelligence. You know, he was told a rumor, accepted it maybe as on face value. That has later been remedied where he sees that what he was told was already completely dismissed by the man they said said it. To, to be very clear to your audience, there were all these rumors about Robert Bigelow. And if Bob Lazar went into business with him and what Bob's job was, and they're all getting it through these same sources. But then like Bob Bigelow went on uh, you know, footage on, on camera with, with George Knapp and, and completely dismissed these 30 years of rumors that, that he didn't believe Bob or Bob tried to lie to him. So people just don't know. And, and I don't blame them. I don't blame them. So, so Chris Mellon had the same maybe bad intelligence that other people had that is, uh, it, was, it was not standing on a substantial foundation of, of knowledge and understanding. And, and again, you can't blame people for this. It takes time. I think Joe Rogan probably ended up 
educating Chris Mellon about that. Uh, no problem. Look, we, we all see only kind of what we can see. And again, it doesn't matter to me if you believe Bob Lazar. It doesn't matter to Bob if you believe him. Uh, I think that we should consider what he said, though, based on reality of, of what he actually said and not by these rumors and mythologies that are made up about things he never said. So, look, it's a learning curve. The Lazar story is so dynamic. It's really hard to get to the truth because there's been so much noise and attacks on him over 30 years. So bottom line is, I think he was um, ill-informed and had a data-poor perspective when it came to that. But I think that over time, I think that like everybody, he'll start to see that uh, there's um, more to it than has been said. Great. A0174 asks, does Jeremy have any inside information from the Pentagon or any other government official that he cannot share at this time? If yes, when can he share it? Well, of course. I mean... Of course, you, you see what I'm doing is I'm trying to, to put out information in a responsible way that is digested properly, that doesn't burn sources. Look, my um, number one goal is to learn myself. I'm going to be honest with you. It's selfish. I, I want to learn. I, I put out information because I at that point, I stand behind it. I have a lot of evidence, either non-public and public. And, and I'm, gonna, I'm just going to keep moving forward as strongly as possible. Of course, I have information that I haven't put out yet. When can you expect it? The moment I can put it out. I'm not holding stuff back. I'm trying to vet information. I, I will tell you something really weird, though, which is that through my work and through my sources, I have been able to provide the Pentagon with information they didn't have that they should have had. So what that means is we have a broken system. So when sources come to me and it's like there, there might be retribution because of the way they acquired you know, the acquisition process of certain types of footage, I need to try to make everybody smoke a peace pipe and get to the table and say, let's get this out. It's non-classified. So it kind of works both ways. You know, the government is not omniscient. It's not this entity that knows everything, right? So the answer is, of course, yes. And of course, I'm going to get it out and as fast as I can and be patient with me. I'm one person and I'm doing my best to vet it and make sure I don't make a mistake. Everybody wants me to make a mistake right now. You know, I get emails. I call them love letters, but they're not love. You know, I get emails every day. Just people trying to discourage me. I'm, I'm over it. I'm moving forward. I'm going to get everything out to the best of my ability. And hopefully I don't make a mistake. Jeremy, let's linger on that. So what are some other reasons why footage isn't released all at once. Why the slow drip? Because from the perspective of an outsider, they would see you as guilty of the same sins of omission that we accuse the government of. Why don't you just release yeah. this footage? You have yeah. it. That's so what are some? So one reason is source vetting. The next one is... Yeah, sure. So if people could walk a mile in other people's shoes, you know, I think it would change the way that people perceive each other. And, and I think that's so important. Um, so the, the primary thing is source vetting. I need to make sure that what I put out is accurate. There are people that would like to trip me up. I mean, not even just civilians, you know, there, there are people that would like to allow me to make some big mistakes. So it doesn't matter where information comes from. I need to vet the sources. Second, I need to make sure 
that things don't tie back to sources that would harm them. People have lives, man. They're taking a risk by talking with me because we have a broken system. There are so many checks and balances that I need to go through in order to finally put something out and say, I am confident with this. I know the arguments that are going to come my way. I know the vitriol. I know what people are going to do. But I need to be sure that I'm, one, accurate, two, not going to harm a source, and three, there's this element where we have to move into knowledge building on the past. So dropping like a leak like Snowden where everything comes out, like that was chaos. That was chaos and that can cause damage. So there, I, I am being morally and ethically, I am being as responsible as I can be. And the thing is, it's a living mechanism what's happening in my life right now, every day I'm getting new information. And just I can finding imagine. that information is difficult in the all-consuming barrage of contacts and information and messages. I mean, it's I'm one human being. Have patience with me. Thank I'm you. grateful that you're spending some time with me, man, during this hurricane. Thank you. Okay, so a couple other people want to just say thanks. Schoolcraft donated... $16 just, just to say thanks. And then Todd oh, Chapman made, also. See, that's great. Support. That's great. So Kurt, someone gave me 16 bucks. People like Kurt, man, they're, they're, they're trying to put information forward, right? Like he was relentless, you know, emailing my editor, like, you know, let's do this again. Let's do it again. You know, it's great when people support people like you, where you're doing something. Now, to be clear, I'm not getting out anything out of this podcast. I just want to give the information that I have, but I'm glad people are supporting you. Thank you so much. I appreciate that, man. Okay, something that bothers me about this, the UFO community. I'm not. A, it's a, it's strange because I'm not a part of it. I'm investigating this phenomenon. Yeah. From a fresh perspective, but what I dislike is the fractionation within it, where people have such caustic remarks about people. If you consider someone to be believable or credible, or not credible. So for example, if you trust Luis Elizondo, then they'll critique you. But then if you don't, they'll also dislike you. I'm not saying that any of this has been directed at me. Actually, I'm lucky that I escaped this because I'm somewhat an observer. Either way, okay, I want to get your opinion on two people, having said that. What's your opinion? Do you think Luis Elizondo is a credible source? And then do you also think Stephen Greer is a credible source. Okay, so so first of all, now we're doing exactly what you said you didn't like, which is the idea that you're you're you know kind of creating remarks about other people. I think everybody should make their own decisions on that. Um, however, I have never been shy of saying my opinion. I just don't waste time dogging other people. Right. 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 I'm it's not just, asking you to criticize that. I just want to know the what I don't. It's fine to say that you don't trust someone, but what's not fine is to say I'm not going to listen to you anymore because you say that you trust or don't trust them. I that's too that's too deep for me. I I'm so tired. I don't even know what that means. But hey, check it out, man. Check it out. Um, in my experience, I have uh, seen so far that Lou Elizondo has everything he has said has been accurate. So. I like the guy, like he's a nice guy, but but also just look at what he's told you and what's been true. So so I, I kind of feel like he's earned our trust. And I, I think that's so important that everybody make up their own determination on that. So so in, in my position, it's like if somebody tells you something and it's accurate and true, 
and they continuously do that, then you can predict what they're going to do in the future, which is usually the accurate and true. So yeah, with Lou, um, I see him to be a great asset to the UFO community. And I think uh, it is good for people to be skeptical and to ask questions, but, but no vitriol, like none of this um, attacks on character and that sort of thing. Now, I'm not going to go. So the other person you mentioned, they shouldn't even be mentioned in the same sentence. Like it is so abundantly obvious and should be self-evident that that other person you mentioned has an agenda and has been shown to be disingenuous over and over and over and over again. So I'm going to leave that to the public to make their own decision because there's such an emotional tie to the UFO topic, right? So. I really encourage people to, to don't like, you know, shit on other people. Don't go in there and just make, you know, angry uh, assumptions. Don't make assumptions at all. Ask questions, but certain things should become self-evident. One of those things is I think uh, Lou Elizondo has appeared to be a stand-up guy and and, and somebody that has, uh, you know, not uh, lied to the public in any way. And I think that that means he's been telling the truth to the public. So, you know, if it goes on that trajectory, that's great. I, you know, I think I admire him. I think he's great. Um, And then other people have just taken advantage of the true desire of the public. And that's the best way I can answer the question where I'm not contributing to the negativity that I receive on a daily basis. I respect that, man. That was a wonderfully given answer. Mental Director 8295 says, please ask where the picture of the stunningly detailed black triangle is from rising up in the water. And... Where is it with regard to release in release to the public? Right. So this is an assumed image. And until that image is placed out into the public, the question is, uh, where did it come from? How was it captured? It's based on a rumor. You know, I've been exposed to a lot of information. And I would be very curious to see if that piece of information uh, comes forward. Because again, it's it's based on on a on a rumor in, in a way. Everything I put out, it's it's a you know direct from source, even if it's through me. It, it's like, right? So so I'm just saying there are high fidelity, absolute high fidelity images with absolute clarity that and video that has been taken by our government over decades of the UFO phenomenon. So not even just like radar data, but like high fidelity images and video. Now, because of the way these things are captured, there is an obstacle there. Like, how do you make that public? How do you scrub certain elements of the image to make sure the public can see them? And also, is there a desire to allow the public to see them? We're not even there yet. We're There's still an uphill battle. The only reason you're seeing the Senate Intelligence Committee demanding from our intelligence agencies that we have a report of some sort about the UFO topic and to start eliminating things like U.S. Black projects is because representative government is actually working here based on the public pressure of human desire from people like yourself, people like me, journalists, the curious, people that are loud on UFO Twitter. That's why all of this is happening. So we got to keep pushing forward. I don't know what individual piece of information might be revealed soon. Uh, I, I do know, though, that that evidence exists. 
and it's time to let it out. Speaking of journalist, David Bates, who you can find on Twitter at, at David B. Writer, wants to know, the ufology community is, is literally decades ahead of the general public and most of the mainstream media in terms of information, history, documentation, so yes. and so on. Given that the government has literally said UFOs are real, and we seem to be heading to a tipping point, what do you see as the most productive role for mainstream journalists in terms of helping citizens get caught up without freaking them out or overwhelming them? Sub-question, given that they, most journalists lack sources in the military or Area 51 or people, like what stories and right. reporting should be done to help break the case open? Check it out. Mainstream media, journalists, everybody's coming out like they just invented the idea of, oh, wow, UFOs, They're, we have the evidence now. We've had the evidence for a long time. We now have corroborative evidence. So it's not just like a fighter pilot saying they saw something and being afraid they're going to say that, but we have radar data. We have electro-optic data such as thermal. We have night vision. We have uh, corroborative sensor data even beyond that, such as satellite. All of that, all of that paints a picture of, of a new reality that, that includes UFOs. So the best thing that journalists can do, my advice to journalists and my advice to everybody interested in this, get caught up, dive deep, start separating the nonsense from what we know, listen to people that have a good track record of giving you accurate information such as George Knapp for 30 years. Look at my track record. Tell me, does the weight of my words hold more value than people with other agendas? Tell me, you know, pay attention, get caught up, start making noise. Okay, this question comes from Ali Riza Ahmed Var. The CIA started, the CIA studied remote viewing and also aliens. Some accounts of alien encounters involve telepathic communication, like Jacques Vallée investigated. Is it reasonable that the method of contact should be via remote viewing? Every weapon in our arsenal. I mean, I'm not going to discount one method of investigation. I think, I think truth is perceived in fragments and from different angles of vision. And I think it takes a, a whole army of curious people to apply their skills to investigating the unexplained, whatever's going on. Anybody that tells you they know what's going on, they're, they're, probably, uh, in, they're probably not accurate because it's such a dynamic uh, thing that we're talking about. We're talking about the nature of reality. We're talking about other advanced civilizations interacting with human beings. We're talking about it being durational, over decades, if not centuries, if not millennia, since at least the beginning of recorded human history, definitely since uh, the Wright brothers took into the sky, but before that. So I wouldn't discount any method of data collection. I would just use them all and then try to sort it out. I hope that answers her question. Sure, it was a guy. But anyway, like his question. Yeah, yeah. Do you have any thoughts as to the connection between UFOs and Bigfoot? This one's for me. Oh, I... That's outside of the scope of my investigatory understanding. I, I don't know. I, um, I, I do know that 
some auxiliary mysteries, such as like, you know, this idea that there's some bipedal animal, you know, that has been able to kind of hide from humanity that is smart, like, and then the also the idea of like cattle mutilations, those seem so outlandish and they're so out there, but there's great evidence, you know, for the cattle mutilations, like there's physical hardcore bodies. So the reason those things are often associated with the UFO phenomenon is because that's what witnesses report. And they don't have to report that. It's that historically they have reported that. So I can't exclude that there is a connection between those things, but I don't know enough about those things to give an intelligent answer. It's not my wheelhouse. The last time we spoke, I believe I asked you some questions on Skinwalker, but I don't recall what the question was nor what your answer was, but it doesn't matter. Within this one year time or eight month time since we last spoke, what's new in Skinwalker? Because there seems to be, at least over there, this incongruous juxtaposition between Bigfoot, other elements and UFOs and so on. Yeah, I, I, again, I, I don't know. I'm not actively investigating Skinwalker. I was kind of working with George Knapp, who had investigated the ranch, you know, for like 20 years. And then we went and got the first footage out of there. We got the government programs. We got some footage that was, you know, released in that fashion. So what's going on now, um, you, you'd have to ask Brandon Fugel. I mean, he's the owner of Skinwalker Ranch. And so he could probably tell you what, what's going on now. I will tell you though, from my, I'm going to be speaking with some witnesses today in the Uinta Basin up in that area, the phenomenon continues to perform as if it wants an audience, you know, by the local community. It's happening all around over there. They, they call it a hot spot for UFOs and associated phenomenon. And remember, that's why the Defense Intelligence Agency had the program to study the ranch. The ranch was a, a living laboratory. It's not that all phenomenon happen on the ranch because they care where the fence line is, that the phenomenon is occurring in that area in an uptick of, of, of experience for decades. And, and I don't know why, but it is happening. So, you know, even later today, I'm, I'm doing more investigation into that. This question comes from Dirt Flyer live right now. Please ask Jeremy if he can give any more information about why the FBI raided Bob Lazar's business during the making of your documentary. Now, I know that there's some controversy around that. I don't know specifically what, something involving his wife, something involving Thallium, apparently. No, 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 not his wife. Okay, so so hold on. So much bullshit. Like, let's just stop it, right? Just stop it. Like, leave the guy alone with this bullshit. So here's the deal, man. Um, think about it this way. When I told people that this happened, they said, you're a liar. It didn't happen. You, you hired trucks, you hired you know, actors, and you made it up for your film. Okay, great. When they realized that it did happen, then it's, oh, okay, well, everything else you said about it, it's not true. You know, okay. And then when they realized that we got reports that showed that they were observing us for two days, and that, you know, there, it was a multi-agency raid, then it's like, well, everything else you said then is not, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's become to me absolutely ridiculous that, that I don't even entertain the, these um, theories anymore. I, I was there, I was there the day before they, they raided his business when I left intentionally, because they had been watching us for two days and that we got documents for that. Okay, great. So, so what did they want? Make up, fill in the blank, whatever you want to say. All I know is that I was there the day before. There were employees there during it. 
it was obvious to everybody what they wanted to know. And, and, and again, in my film, I'm telling the truth. I mean, it doesn't matter if you believe me. Um, our, that was the only time in my life where my private communications were recorded and, or that I know of. And uh, look, it happened and we're gonna learn more about it. Um, at this time, that's where we're ending it. And uh, you know, Bob Lazar has been on the brunt of not even the government only, but the UFO public. And I can understand why he doesn't want to talk about it, doesn't want to be contacted, why he's a private guy. I'm really grateful that he let me, uh, it's my doggy, uh, you know, he let me tell his story, you know, to the point that I did. Uh, and there's more coming, but um, you're going to need to decide for yourself and not have somebody tell you. What does the evidence suggest? What does it suggest? If you look at the entirety of the story, his account, what does the evidence suggest? You need to answer that for yourself. Do you have any speculation as to the connection? Like, why are cattle mutilations occurring? Are they trying to study the cows? I spoke to Kevin Knuth who had an interesting, I don't know if you saw that, but he had an interesting answer with regard to that. Anybody can make up an opinion. Is that opinion right? I don't know. I just know it's happening. I know that there are surgical mutilations that are done Here's the biggest point about cattle mutilations. The biggest point. There have been probably now hundreds of thousands of cattle mutilations that have happened over decades. Who's been caught? Has a single person ever been caught doing these surgeries on these animals? Over That's what I decades. find most intriguing. Hundreds of thousands of people over decades. Sorry, hundreds of thousands of, of cattle over decades, not a single person has even been a suspect. What does that mean? You're out on ranches, the middle of nowhere. You can see lights from cars. You have people standing right there. I mean, this has to add up to you. You have to understand that this is abnormal, that this is something very strange, that it's a mystery. Find me one person, one that's ever been caught for this. You won't because it hasn't happened. Is there any relationship between aliens and consciousness? We mentioned remote viewing, possible telepathy before. Yeah. Is it possible that through psychedelics, altered states of consciousness, one can either evoke contact or possibly communicate with them? And this, we're getting off on a huge speculative jump, but I'm a man of speculation. I don't mind. Uh, it's a fun topic. Let's talk about it. I mean, you know, uh, you know, it's reported that people do. I mean, look, do do hallucinogenics and then and then report back to me. I don't I don't know. I don't know. You know, I, I've never experienced it. So I, I don't know. Like, are people communicating with other things? That comes like that? with a caveat just for the people watching. Jeremy is not endorsing that you take just legally so that we can get that out of the way. Well, where it is legal, you should do it. I am endorsing it. If you're if, if, it, if it's right. legal, where the you balls are. in your court, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's no problem. I don't think they're bad. So, you know, here's the deal. Uh, I, I think that there's an unexplored territory there. I think that anything that alters your consciousness, if done responsibly, it can be very powerful. And, and where it is legal, I think that's really cool. I, I think that shamans for you know hundreds of thousands of years have utilized um, certain plants to alter the, the state of human consciousness to try to integrate into a different consciousness. I think it's very silly 
that we believe somehow collectively that governments have the right to tell you what you can do with your own body. Like that's um, something that seems uh, counterintuitive to my way of thinking. Um, I, I definitely encourage people to um, explore different states of, of consciousness because the base consciousness we have can be really limiting. You know, we live sometimes in fear. We live sometimes in hunger. We live sometimes in, in all these things that if we can move from that state into a state of wonder and exploration, we're going to learn a lot more. That's where creativity comes from. Hear that sound? That's the sweet sound of success with Shopify. Shopify is the all-encompassing commerce platform that's with you from the first flicker of an idea to the moment you realize you're running a global enterprise. Whether it's handcrafted jewelry or high-tech gadgets, Shopify supports you at every point of sale, both online and in person. They streamline the process with the internet's best converting checkout, making it 36% more effective than other leading platforms. There's also something called Shopify Magic, your AI-powered assistant that's like an all-star team member working tirelessly behind the scenes. What I find fascinating about Shopify is how it scales with your ambition. No matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Join the ranks of businesses in 175 countries that have made Shopify the backbone of their commerce. Shopify, by the way, powers 10% of all e-commerce in the United States, including huge names like Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen. If you ever need help, their award-winning support is like having a mentor that's just a click away. Now, are you ready to start your own success story? Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash theories, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash theories now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash theories. It comes from these problems that we have that we need to find a solution. So problem, solution, and change. So to answer their question, I, I really don't know. I, I, I don't know. It is reported that the non-human intelligence that appears to be operating or performing in the, in the form of UFOs, so operating UFOs or using them as performance, that this apparently non-human intelligence does engage with, with humankind in, in, a, in a way that is... I don't know what you'd call it, but uh, consciousness driven. So that is what's reported to me. I have never experienced that, so I don't know. But I would encourage anybody to try to explore the realms of consciousness in a safe way, in a legal way, all of that, and then report into us. Like, let us know. We need more psychonauts. We need more explorers of psychology and of consciousness. We do. Razor blades are like diving boards. The longer the board, the more the wobble, the more the wobble, the more nicks, cuts, scrapes. A bad shave isn't a blade problem, it's an extension problem. Henson is a family-owned aerospace parts manufacturer that's made parts for the International Space Station and the Mars rover. Now they're bringing that precision engineering to your shaving experience. By using aerospace-grade CNC machines, Henson makes razors that extend less than the thickness of a human hair. 
The razor also has built-in channels that evacuates hair and cream, which make clogging virtually impossible. Henson Shaving wants to produce the best razors, not the best razor business. So that means no plastics, no subscriptions, no proprietary blades, and no planned obsolescence. It's also extremely affordable. The Henson razor works with the standard dual-edge blades that give you that old-school shave with the benefits of this new-school tech. It's time to say no to subscriptions and yes to a razor that'll last you a lifetime. Visit hensonshaving.com everything. If you use that code, you'll get two years worth of blades for free. Just make sure to add them to the cart. Plus 100 free blades when you head to H-E-N-S-O-N-S-H-A-V-I-N-G dot com slash everything and use the code everything. This question I asked to Lou, which comes from Lonesome Space Cowboy. I have only one question, pretty subjective, but I'd like to hear his take referring to you. If the general public knew and saw what you know and have seen, what would the world look like for the next week after that? How would the public react? For the next week? Right. So imagine if on the news, people were able to see what you have seen, but you can't reveal right now, but they've seen it. What would the public's reaction be over the course of the next week? I suspect the response would be varied. You know, depends on what your idea is of the universe. You know, what what is your idea? Where do you live? What are you part of? What exists outside of you? And I imagine that we are adaptable creatures. We we very quickly change and adapt. I mean, I've had from my experiences, you know, I've had the, the hair raise up on my arms and it's this feeling of like, holy shit, like this is, this is serious. But then I went and ate dinner. So I don't know. I, I think people are ready for a deeper truth. I think people are ready to engage the possibility. You know, look at it, look at it like we used to believe things that, that weren't true, right? So we used to believe, um, that the entire universe revolved around the earth, right? And and then you know we come to find out it's it's much more dynamic than that, you know. And so we have planets orbiting stars, and then we have, you know, really we we have galaxies kind of orbiting each other. I mean, it, we just we keep going out and seeing this homogenous idea of ever expanding, moving in action and motion, living universe. So what happens? I, th I think what happens is people accept it and they go eat dinner and maybe they reprioritize their lives a little bit. Organic Vistas has a great question. Have you seen a correlation in reports with regards to the seasons? So for example, in more temperate climates, there are higher UFO activities. Of course, that needs to be conditioned upon the population because in colder populations, there are less people. So there should be less reporting. No, I, I see a correlation with the, the more that people look up, the more that they witness the UFO phenomenon. This one comes from Pate Leros. Make sure to run some of Mick West's videos by him. Now, I'm not <laughs> going to do so in real time. People can. And then this person linked metabunk.org. So I'm yeah. curious as to what he has to say about them. And well, basically that I'm curious as to what he has. Yeah, to say yeah. Look, them. there's there's so many 
so many uninformed people that try to dissect and um, refine information to prove their own bias. And it's an unfortunate thing because, I mean, people could be great assets to the study of truth if it wasn't so obvious and clear that um, people are trying to fit the nature of reality into this very specific viewpoint that they want to have because it gives them like clout or credibility by going against the grain. I, I get that. It's fine. Everybody can do whatever they want, but it's disingenuous. And I think that everybody is realizing that there are actual experts that we should be listening to. There are people that are experts that we should be listening to, uh, but you know they need to speak up, right? So it's important to question things and to refine them, but it is absolutely disingenuous to ignore the bulk of data to try to just isolate something that can help you prove your bias. Like that's, it's just, I, I don't have time for it. I tried to work with people like that, tried to help, tried to give information. It's just, it's not worth our time. Everybody needs to decide how they spend their time. You should be really weary of people that are very obviously just trying to um, influence your opinion towards a predetermined goal. Now there are experts. There are people that are just really sharp and on their game. And I really hope that they start kind of speaking up more because we do have to separate, you know, the true from the non-true. We That's so important. And, and, right. and, and even conflicting views, views that are different from one another that, you know, there's tension. That's where we really get down to the, to the bottom line and we figure out, you know, what is going on, but I would just, you know, kind of guard yourself it should be self-evident. It should be really obvious when people are trying to um, influence you to their own agenda in a disingenuous way. Okay, this question comes from The Moving Forest. Is Jeremy Corbell familiar with Salvador Pais or Pais? Yeah. Pais or the Pais effect? So number yeah. that's number one from this person. Okay, so yeah. Everybody sends me this every week. I get this, you know, these patents from the Navy and oh my gosh, and look at this and you know, it's electrogravitic or whatever the hell they call it. And like, you know, oh, it must be true because it's a Navy patent and they've had people say, oh, it is true. Okay, look, um, if we had this technology, we would be using it. Like if we had this technology, you know, in the 40s, we would be using it. Any country that had this technology, we would be using it. Um, I personally am very confident with the understanding that we don't have this technology. Will we one day? I, I really hope so. But I think where the real misunderstanding is, and this is important, the systems described in those patents are, from my understanding, like electrogravitic, or they're, 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 it's a completely different process. It doesn't negate the distance dilemma. And I really want to push that out to you. I haven't really talked much about this. I'm, I'm, I'm labeling it for you. It's called the mm -hmm. distance dilemma, okay? Those patents do not show a machine that can do what we have been witnessing for the last century, for the last thousand plus years. They just don't show that. That's not the mechanics of the, of the, or the physics 
that is described in those patents. It's a non-issue. Whether they have it or not, which they don't, or whether they have it in some rudimentary version, maybe, it does not describe the physics that people are seeing and observing through the UFO phenomenon. We are talking about gravitational systems. Full stop, flat, that's it. That's what we are seeing. Our military scientists that work in exploitation projects, they know that. They're not going to come out and say that most likely in the, in the report that's coming out mm -hmm. maybe Friday. Um, but that is understood. That is known. And just so happens to be exactly the same type of technology that Bob Lazar, Robert Lazar, talked to us about. So look, I get it. It's interesting. You see these patents. Uh, where's the tech? Do, is Salvador still alive? Do you think Salvador will speak to me? Does he or she respond? I'm, I'm, I'm not going to put anything past you. I'm going to say that, you know, the, the will is the way, man. You know, Thank do you. your best. All right. I'm going to try my hand at Bob Lazar then. That's a heavy lift. I will, I will do some lifting. Okay. Let's see. <laughs> the moving force says, is Jeremy Corbell familiar with the U.S. Navy's TR-3B? I am familiar with what people call the TR-3B. I, I was actually kicked out of a car one time because I was getting driven to the airport by a military guy and I was asking questions and it was like a joke and they kicked me out of the car. I was asking about that TR-3B. Um, look, it's nonsense. What is it, first of all, for those who don't know, like myself? So, so the TR-3B is allegedly a perfectly triangular craft that, you know, with rounded edges that works on positive lift in a way that is unconventional. So gravitational in nature, or you could say electrogravitic. I don't know. It depends on, on what people think they're saying when they say TR-3B. We have certainly tried to work with different propulsion systems. However, as you see, we are completely limited in the United States military in 99.9% .9 reactionary propulsion systems from rockets to roller skates. You push something out the back, you go forward. That's it. So the TR-3B has that, you know, one of the five observables that Lou Elizondo talks about. So when you talk about the TR-3B, you're talking about something that has positive lift, but from a non-reactionary propulsion system. So let's just say for sake of argument, some people think it's a gravitic craft, an anti-gravitic craft. Um, it would actually be a gravitic craft, not an anti-gravitic craft. That's because people don't understand what that means, right? It's not, it's, it's using, uh, gravitational craft use sometimes natural gravitational fields to operate on, but they also can produce gravitational fields because gravity is indeed a wave. Anyway, check it out. No, it's nonsense. We are not seeing terrestrially made TR-3B craft that our government has produced. I'm sorry to burst the bubble. I was sad the day that I was definitely, you know, I can stand behind that as being the case. I would love to be wrong. Oh my gosh, I would love to be wrong. Oh my, that would be one of my greatest days if I was wrong. Uh, but no, I'm sorry. Uh, we don't have this technology as far as our ability to create it. F is me in the live chat wants to know why doesn't the government contact top scientists to study the UFO? 
data, radar, et cetera, in your opinion, what if scientists offered their help? Would that help disclosure? Right. So why don't they contact the most ego-driven scientists that think they should be contacted about it? Or why don't they contact scientists? They do. This is what you saw with Bob Lazar. They, they do. This is what you see with um, Dr. Eric Davis. This is what you see with Dr. Colm Kelleher. They do these exploitation programs. It's just that they're so compartmentalized. There has to be people have to have clearances and they have to be brought in and then they're trying to solve problems and they can't talk about it. So the real problem is not that the scientists aren't contacted. It's the limitations of their ability to have peer reviewed information, to share data, to have greater and other minds on it. That is the problem. Look, our government has been trying to reverse engineer non-terrestrial spacecraft. That is a fact. We have craft. You don't have to believe me. Listen to what Harry Reid said about Lockheed Martin having, let's say, hardware. You know, think about what um, in the New York Times, what Dr. Eric Davis said about off-world vehicles not made on Earth. Like, don't have to take my word for it. Like, just start understanding what's going on. We are having a sea change. This is a completely different world that we are about to live in, that we are living in, you know, where the stigma of UFOs and talking about it, the reality of the presence of UFOs on planet Earth is being confirmed as if you need it confirmed, but have it confirmed by your government. Great. So this is a historic time in human history. This is not a foreign adversarial nation's technology like China or Russia. This is not. China spends more money every year, millions and millions and millions, hundreds of millions of dollars, trying to steal our most rudimentary technology, right? They do not have these machines that we've been seeing for centuries and more. They don't, and neither does Russia, and neither do we in the sense of us being able to make them. But most countries do have hardware that has been recovered, is, is all I'll say, because I don't know exactly how to define it. Right. Okay. What's going on? What do you think is going to happen in the June report? I asked Lou, and he said a whole lot of nothing because it's not enough time. But what do you think? Sure. I mean, it, it depends on what, what you want. Like, you know, from Lou's perspective, I can understand a, a whole lot of nothing. He's tempering expectation. However, um, I am fighting to have a really robust report I, until the penny drops, right? Until it comes out, like anything's possible. I mean, why do you think I'm releasing what I know will be Pentagon confirmed videos in a big, loud public way, making sure they have the data so that they can be responsible and beholden to the American will on some really good cases? I'm doing this with George Knapp. We're doing this to try to create a more robust report. So, you know, I don't want to be cynical about it. You know, look, if, if what's said is that these are not U.S. Black projects, great. Like, that's a huge deal to take that off the table. Then we're going to have to take off the table, you know, other foreign advanced technological nations because these aren't them. That's not what's happening. But it's a step forward. So I don't know. I'm just like an optimist, dude. I just feel really good about it. Like, more information makes our environment more data rich than no information. So I'm sure people will be disappointed. Oh my gosh, the belly aching. When you give people a new piece of evidence, the belly aching outweighs the gratitude. And, and that's maybe that's human nature. Maybe that's because we're selfish. Maybe that's because we're excited. It's okay. I don't know. But, you know, I'm very, um, just the fact the report exists, 
that these questions are being Huge. had, this conversation is going on. I am extremely motivated by that. Well, you're a large part of as to why it's happening. So thank you, man. Charles wants to know, please ask about the Department of Energy and the Bureau of Land Management's involvement. They recovered a craft in 1945. I've heard this. Uh, I, I think that it's limiting to say that there are specific DOD agencies or, you know, that, that are that have a full grasp on all of this. It is my personal experience that every intelligence agency and every branch of our military has had, does have, and has been running UFO exploitation programs since as far back as I know. So look, there are certain agencies which have more or less access to things that utilize different private industries to shield information from Freedom of Information Act requests. So we see that with Lockheed, they're shielding information using the fact they can't be part of a Freedom of Information Act request, but they're doing it on the behest of, let's just say an agency at the Department of Defense. So I would say let's look broader because every single agency has a part of the puzzle. Let's bring it all together. Let's encourage that with encouraging UFO transparency. Some agencies are better equipped than others to tackle certain elements. For example, we know the Defense Intelligence Agency was well-equipped through the funding from Senator Harry Reid, the $22 million Black Project money for OSAP, Advanced Aerospace Weapon System Applications Program, that was to study UFOs and associated phenomenon where ATIP was born later from that. And that was to focus on military encounters. We need to divide and conquer. So not one agency, not even the Department mm -hmm. of Energy, which has been connected for a long time to this, which tells you something. But but look, and the Navy What does it too, tell us? Well, Department of Energy. What it tells us is that the, the power and propulsion of these vehicles, of the UFO phenomenon, the associated power and propulsion is important. That's what it tells us. And let's just stop it there and see what happens. Sure. This question comes from KD. Please ask Jeremy why true UFO insiders run from the word demonic while discussing UFOs and instantly stop interviews, squirm, and dodge the word. It's always jarring because... These insiders act like they have been given some strict talking points to not use that specific word. I find it odd. I, I don't relate to that. I, I, I don't know uh, who she's talking about. Is there a person that has dodged that question? Um, I would suspect if a person dodged that question, uh, maybe they have their own inherent bias that, that, that is causing them to do that. But there, there's no script. None of us were given a script You know, when we're talking about UFOs that we can't talk about the idea of you know demonic aspects because that is something that has been proposed even within the military circles because people have like a fervent religious belief like in the uh, defense intelligence agency that was something that really was trying to crush the program because the UFOs must be demonic they must be you know something otherworldly in in that spiritual realm well come on that that's obviously an individual's 
preconception and worldview that is then influencing policy and then stymieing the scientific process. But, but again, I, I don't know. This is not my, I'm not a theologist. Or I don't know what you call them. I'm not, I'm not in this realm, so I don't know. But I don't think anybody is squirming or running away from that. If somebody does, it's probably just their own personal viewpoint. Um, look, every option is on the table until you can, you know, until you can get rid of it. This question comes from Rob McDonough. Does he think that there are any pre-existing agreements or treaties with the owners of these UAPs that are decades old, 50s to 70s, and are part of the reason that modern that we exclude modern day presidents slash government from full disclosure because power can change every 48 years? So basically, right. is there some international agreement or treatise you know, I, or an effort to study this? I, look, I, I don't know if there's an agreement or something. That would be pretty cool, right? Um, I, I don't know. I, I, I do know that there have been attempts by our military to communicate with the operators or the, yeah, say the operators of these craft, whether they be biological entities, um, artificial intelligence, whether it be probes or manned craft. Uh, I don't know. But, but I know there have been attempts to bait and to lure the UFO phenomenon. So it can be better studied scientifically. And it's been very interesting how one would do that. And I think it's best I, I let other people speak on that if they will in the future. But that is something that is already public that there have been attempts to bait or to lure the UFO you know, phenomenon. So of course, look, if it was up to me, it would be um, very similar to the movie Close Encounters where you know there's some sort of communication of course, we might run into a problem, you know, which is like the movie Prometheus. Oh, there you are, Earth, right? So th that was not a, a great portrayal of the kind of interaction you'd want to have. But then you have other beautiful films, because I'm a filmmaker, so I look at it this way. Uh, and you Same. have movies like Arrival. And there's this really special uh, dance that is done to learn kind of how to communicate with these other entities. You know, I think all of it is important. It might turn out poorly. It might turn out well, but I fear nothing. I think that if they wanted to, these visitors, if they, for lack of a better term, uh, these visitors, yeah. like if they wanted to harm us, you know, they could, and uh, maybe they would have already. I, I just don't see that. I, I really don't see that. You know, it does lead you to two kind of um, difficult questions, you know, which is, is this just, you know, some sort of beautiful, slow process of indoctrination to the existence of some other life forms and intelligence, or is it because we're valuable to them like a commodity? I mean, I don't know. I know that they do interfere with nuclear weapons, like in many countries, this is well documented, shutting down nuclear weapons, turning them on, displays of power. Um, they're very interested, you know, um, these vehicles, traverse through highly sensitive and restricted airspace dealing with nuclear weapons. So that should kind of give you a hint of, um, you know, that there is extra activity surrounding our nuclear work. And, and that makes you wonder uh, why. Speaking of the possibility of treating us like commodities, I believe it was Lazar who said that they refer to us as containers or he was referring to a document that he may or there may we go seen. let's be yeah. very precise like so bob will tell you he'll, he'll be the first to tell you because people always say shit he never said he, all he said was i read in, in in black and white pages i read that i i don't know that to be true 
but that is one of the things that he read. He read a bunch of stuff. That, right, 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 right. Yeah, but but so so I mean, we could philosophize about it. You know, we could have like a fun, you know, sci-fi kind of conversation. What what does that mean? You know, containers of blood, containers of consciousness, containers of souls. Like, what does that mean? Are we like a fine wine, and we're being mm -hmm. um, kind of uh, maturing in our vessels until harvested? I mean, that's a wild idea. Like, I, I have I have no idea. I have zero idea i'd like to think it's probably more simple than that but uh then again i'm a simple man so maybe i'm wrong victor wag asks why does the flying triangle ufo in corbell's researched sorry released footage flash at the ntsa aircraft mandated rates for airliner safety well that's incorrect so um does it flash at that exact rate i mean i've got varied reports if it does or doesn't um maybe it does uh you know the answer is um i don't know you know, if you look at the history of UFOs, UFOs are often flashing. They've actually used flashes to communicate. This is something that's historic, right? So if it, if it indeed is flashing that one, and by the way, these are pyramids. These are not out of focus night vision. And, like and a bouquet, I'm sure yeah, you've heard of that total theory. bullshit. It's absolute fundamental bullshit. But, but that's okay. It's so easy. Uh, I just have to ask, but it's, it's oh, BS no, no. because. But let me, yeah, let me, let me kind of explain. I, I kind of think we should unravel this a little bit. So that footage is filmed on one of these, which is I have, this is military issued. This is exactly what people get. It has a cap. The cap is right here. It's got a perfect circle, right? The, the idea that like you could make, like I could put a prosthetic suit on you, give you a fabulous beard and you could look exactly like me right? So I can take anything and make it look like something else. Um, that's not Occam's razor. That's mental gymnastics worthy of a gold medal. And this is where you see people trying to influence uh, the, the thought process to go far outside of the scope of the reasonable to try to end somewhere that they feel is reasonable. So I'm telling you, so there is corroborative evidence, but it doesn't matter what I say you have the United States military investigating these. They have much better sensor systems than what I could. Re what I released was non-classified, totally non-classified. But they knew the exact height of these craft. They knew the shape three-dimensionally. And if you look at the non-classified yellow bar in that release of that, it wasn't a classified document, but this page was non-classified. And you can read what they're saying. They're saying it, it appears triangular due to you know, um, angle of observation, but, but in fact, they're pyramid shaped. So with that said, I can make anything look like anything else if given enough time in mental gymnastics. Um, why is the craft blinking? They're initially, before I ever reported on this, took me a long time to verify everything, right? Mm -hmm. Like right after the event, basically. But I was able to verify over time and more corroborative information came forward and, oh, it's in the UAP task force reports. Okay, so that's my process. But when we get there, it's like this. There are so many options. Like the object itself could have been blinking. There's also a very specific light on the USS Omaha that at that time, I'm trying to verify, but was also blinking at that exact rate that was just said to you. There also is a helo pad that's right down. So all of right down on, on the ship and, and, and that could have had its warning lights on. And as a highly, what appears to be a uh, reflective surface because of the way that the night vision shows kind of the, the glow can also be part reflective. So there are so many things that could be accounting for that, that I can't narrow it down to, 
I know it's this. I know it's that. But taking one piece of information that is ridiculous and then trying to dismiss the entire network of understanding of how that video got to me, what it says, what the Pentagon says, what the briefing slides, which the world should never have seen, but until I was able to get it and put it out. You have to look at everything together before closing your mind like a triangular aperture. What are Jeremy's thoughts on the Fravor incident? How did the Tic Tac know where the predetermined cat point was located? Great question. Really interesting question. And that comes from Keith Shoup. Okay, Keith. Good question. Uh, again, sorry, I don't know, but I, you know, I have some ideas. I can tell you what other people thought. So just for your audience, we go back to it. So Commander David Fravor and I were talking for many, many years before any of this came out. I promised him I wouldn't kind of out him with this, but I did tell him one day it's going to get out. One day it's going to get out. It's not going to be by my hand because we didn't even know. I didn't even know if the videos I, I've had that video for a long time. It was classified. Right. I didn't know. Um, right. And you know how Commander Fravor actually found out that he had been kind of exposed to the public. I called him. I told him. I was like, hey, man, told you it was going to happen. It happened. It's out now. So permission to move forward. You know, uh, there are some really important aspects to his case that are not widely reported or picked up on by the public. The gentleman, I think you said his name was Keith, that just asked that question is saying, how did when the Tic Tac object shot off from Commander Fravor at beyond hypersonic speed, how did it then get like, let's say 60 miles away at his cap point, which is an encrypted location that he didn't even know at that moment, I don't believe. It's a, it's a, it's a location that he's going to be going to. Whether he knew about it or not, it doesn't matter. It's, it's conveyed through an encrypted system so you can target the planes directly where you wanna go. You can't just say, fly that way, you'll find it. Right. You give them the exact location. How did the Tic Tac know? We're assuming that, that whatever intelligence is operating the Tic Tac, that it did know. And that, that is a big assumption. I mean, it could have been like the most amazing coincidence of all time. I, I believe it did have understanding that it was toying with us. But now we're going to get into something really weird, right? So is this object able to know where it is because it was able to decipher our encrypted communications? How quickly did it get over there? is that the scan of the SPY-1 radar, is it instantaneous or did it take a second to just show up? So was it traveling from point A to point B really, really fast? Or did it go from, from point A to point B in a kind of stepped pattern where it's moving through space-time in a, in a different kind of way than we know? All of these, all of these are big questions that can be answered once we understand the propulsion system, which again is gravitational. So the question here becomes, did it, was it able to encrypt our technology or due to the nature of the propulsion system itself, was there a temporal effect that allowed us to see it there super quickly, but in fact, it was moving through time space differently than we know because of the nature and effects of gravity which is the type of propulsion that it had. And think about this, when Commander Fravor saw it, it was over the water moving like a ping pong ball in an empty glass, bing, 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 and it was mm -hmm. moving, pop, 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 pop. Mm -hmm. Is that because it is moving that fast? Or obviously, um, in a way, not, because then the inertial effects, it would explode, it would just explode. But it is negates the inertia effects because of the propulsion system. So are we seeing a temporal, a dislocation 
because of our optics, all of that. So I hope people kind of understood that. I hope that I'm saying it in a way that's kind of simplified, but full, you know, is that we don't know if it shot there really fast or if it temporarily stepped there really quickly and then was picked up on radar, which would be then a, an effect of the gravitational system. What else is there about the Fravor case that you think should be talked about more, but isn't? What was under the water? What was under the water? That's what should be talked about more. Anything else about the Fravor case in particular before I go to the next question? Yeah. How long and how many contacts were being seen and being observed and being tracked and at what trajectories and what were they doing? Right. So that would be interesting. What were they doing? What's under the water there? What were they doing? They weren't coming to display like like around the USS Omaha, USS Russell, nine warships. July 15th is one major event in 2019. I released radar footage, thermal footage, night vision footage, and I'm about to release something more. OK, so that was a performance. These craft are trying to make themselves seen. What was happening with the Tic Tac? It wasn't doing that. These Tic Tacs weren't doing that, these craft. They were doing a job. What was the job? These are questions I think that we should um, philosophize more about. We should try to find more information about. What's coming? You said that you have a video coming out soon. Yeah, pay attention. When? Get ready. Two weeks. Get ready. Paranoid Android asks, any connection between the alleged archaeological discovery of UFOs and visits to Antarctica by John Kerry, Buzz Aldrin, and Patriarch Krill in 2016? That would be outside of the, the scope of what I uh, know to be true. You know, this is, we're going deep into the mythology of, of UFOs, and um, it could be true. I, I don't know. Uh, this is not my wheelhouse or my area of expertise, but I would uh, not take anything off the table until you can dismiss it. I'm sure you've spoken to people who claim to have been abducted. Do you see any commonality? Do you have a, yeah. do you surmise a reason or an intent behind the abductions? You know, um, look, where there's smoke, there's fire. You know, we know UFOs are real now. Okay, so is what people have been saying about them real? Uh, sometimes yes, a lot of times no. So we have to kind of take everything with like a whole, you have to like bring a whole bag of salt, not like a grain of salt. You have to like bring a whole bag of salt with you. And you have to make sure that uh, you understand the human nature of consciousness and the idea of how we try to assimilate really intense experiences into our functional daily life so we can operate and eat our meal later tonight. Um, there is fire to this abduction thing. There is, like there's something going on and, and there are similarities and, and uh, very bizarre, strange little details. Like what, what similarities? Uh, well, I'd like to keep some of that you know, private because it allows me to, to see if that's right. It allows me, if I announce it, then it becomes part of the zeitgeist. And then all of a sudden people report that to me, you know? So I'm going to, sorry, but I'm, I, you know, you can do I your own work. Saying. You can do your own work and you can find those things out and then you can tell them publicly to anybody you want. But for me, I have to hold some things back. Like for example, in 1989, if, 
how do you get to area 51 and if you do get through a terminal like if you go into your first building what color is it painted inside that room on the left hand wall like very specific questions right those help me to know if people are bullshitting me so that's kind of like i got to keep some stuff to myself i don't know by the way this is again not my total wheelhouse i don't i don't really know i'm kind of a nuts and bolts kind of guy when it comes to the ufo topic I, but I, I do believe there is something really massive to the abduction phenomenon. And again, most are BS, but, but some are um, genuine. I, I do believe that to be true. What does that mean when you say you're a nuts and bolts person with regard to this phenomenon? I've heard that somewhere else, maybe from you. Yeah, probably from me. Because I, I like to say like, I'm, I'm nuts and bolts, but my family calls me fucking nuts. So I'm like, you know, Maybe it's because of my background in jujitsu is I'm a very mechanically oriented person. Like you don't sit there and argue with somebody in a jujitsu grappling match. Like I'm going to kick your ass. No, I'm going to kick your ass. You just grapple and whoever has the dominant day wins. That's it. And if you lose, it's because your technique was bad. And so you're hear that sound. That's the sweet sound of success with Shopify. Shopify is the all-encompassing commerce platform that's with you from the first flicker of an idea to the moment you realize you're running a global enterprise. Whether it's handcrafted jewelry or high-tech gadgets, Shopify supports you at every point of sale, both online and in person. They streamline the process with the internet's best converting checkout, making it 36% more effective than other leading platforms. There's also something called Shopify Magic, your AI-powered assistant that's like an all-star team member working tirelessly behind the scenes. What I find fascinating about Shopify is how it scales with your ambition. No matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Join the ranks of businesses in 175 countries that have made Shopify the backbone of their commerce. Shopify, by the way, powers 10% of all e-commerce in the United States, including huge names like Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen. If you ever need help, their award-winning support is like having a mentor that's just a click away. Now, are you ready to start your own success story? Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash theories, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash theories now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash theories. Sleeping. So with the UFO world, you know, we can argue about things. We can talk about things all day long, but, but ultimately, ultimately it's either true or it's not true. So we just have to get into the mechanics of it and try to understand if we have corroborative censored data, if we have good intelligence, if we have reliable witnesses, if there's inherent bias. So, so that's what I mean is that I try to approach the study for me of the mystery of UFOs from a very uh, hands-on boots on the ground, gumshoe reporting, mechanical, type of philosophy, it, but, but, but it, it's not um, clinical. You know, I, I find that, that people will open up if we can have a dialogue where they don't feel that you're going to dismiss them because of what they experienced. Have there been communications intercepted between alien, between crafts or UAPs, UFOs, or have we communicated with them? Can we tap into the alien internet? Whoa, that would be really neat, right? Can we uh, decipher code? Do we have messages? 
Um, I don't know. I, I know allegedly there have been a lot of all, you know, very interesting. Uh, I, I do know that, that UFOs seem to absorb data. They seem to go over sensitive installations and use techniques to harvest data, which is very concerning to our defense intelligence. To our what, Sorry, what do you mean by that? How do you know they're harvesting data just because they're over it? Right. So I, I don't know they're harvesting data just because they're over it. This is something that has been a real concern by the Department of Defense, that it appears that when UFOs come over certain sensitive military installations, such as uh, nuclear facilities, that they have the capability of shutting off or turning on our nuclear armaments one at a time. So this tells them that they have a, an ability to exchange data between our machines and their craft or their will. That then tells us to do that, you must have the information on one side to alter it. So we know that they are absorbing certain amounts of data in order to affect the physical machinery. That's what I mean. This is something that's well established. Okay, Jeremy, I know you got to get going. I, I want to ask any one last, last... big question because then we gotta. I gotta get sure, moving, sure, sure. ladies sure. and what gentlemen. What questions should we be asking as the public? That is a that is the best question. Um, look at that. That's the question I always ask: is what question am I not asking you? That's really important, right? Um, look, as the public was said, they wanted to know as the public. Okay, as the public. Every single person should be asking the questions that are burning with desire within them. Your passion, your enthusiasm, your desire to understand the nature of reality is going to drive the UFO transparency movement. It is you, not me, that makes this happen, right? It's not one person who's on television. This is the average individual person that wants to come forward with unique skill sets. It's going to take philosophers and scientists and activists and podcasters. It's going to take family conversations about religions. This is going to be something that needs to be addressed on every single level of human existence. What questions should you be asking as the public is what questions you want answered because you are driving this. Why do you think the Senate Intelligence Committee is demanding information from our intelligence agencies about UFOs? It's because the public has demanded it. It's not because one person went on television and asked for it. So my answer to you is get involved. I like to say, and people mock this all the time, but it's I'm not backing down from it. It's great. Weaponize your curiosity, right? The idea that you are not going to be a passive consumer of this information, absorbing information, but you've become an active participant in trying to discover the nature of reality, the nuances of this mystery. So in, in to kind of finalize and end this really fun time with you, and thank you, Kurt, for what you're doing. And thank you for, I didn't know I was going to do a live AMA. That's great. Very cool. I'm glad that, that people are asking their questions and I wish I could do more of these, but I'm too busy running forward on other things right now. Everybody needs to get involved. Everybody needs to do what they can do and do it in any way that you think you are going to be most effective. Every question is good. The only bad question is a, que is a question that you know the answer to or you're leading it to be disingenuous. And I see a lot of that with debunkers. It's BS. The best questions are the ones you really want to know the answers to. So, you know, thank you so much for your time, for everybody that's watching now. You know, thank you for your time. I know uh, Kurt's going to do a great job of putting this together. 
I wish I could do more of these, you know, and, and I'm sure I will, but just this is going to be a big time in human history. This is going to be a very important next couple of years where we're looking at the subject. And I think very important next couple of weeks. So, uh, you know, get ready, put on your helmets, not the tinfoil hats. I'm saying put on your helmets. It's about to get rough. Jeremy, I'm honored. I'm flattered. I'm, I'm humbled by the fact that you would spend some time with me. Thank you so much. And the audiences as well. We all have 24 hours in our day. We all choose how to spend it. Hopefully for our lives, we spend our time well. This was time well spent. So thank you very much. I'll talk to you later. All right, man. And if you can please send me that audio recording once you're done, just shut off. Send it to me as soon as you can. Thank you so much. Take care, you man. Got Hopefully guy. we okay. can do this again when you're le- when you have less of a hectic schedule. Maybe we can sit down for a three-hour Joe Rogan, four-hour, five-hour type conversation in person at some point. I would like a year that. from now, two years from now, we'll see. We'll see. I'm sure I'll the, speak the world is moving then. forward. A lot's about to happen, so we'll see. We're going to be living in a different world. As, as what should I be doing? Forward. Okay, so I'm a podcast. Exactly what you're doing. Exactly what you're doing. Phys- I'm not a theoretical physicist, but. My background is in mathematical physics. You're a curious person. It doesn't matter what you are. You're curious. You want to know about the stuff. Keep asking questions. Thank you, my friend. All right, brother. Talk to you soon. Okay. Thank you all. I'm just going to read through some of the comments. Timothy Lacey, yes, your question. I don't know what your question was. I apologize that I wasn't able to get to it. I'm seeing almost like when you watch The Matrix and there's so much code on the screen right now, the chat is just going forward so quickly that it might as well be gibberish if you're curious as to who's coming up next on the podcast this person named chris langan who has a cognitive theoretic model of the universe it's one that it's an interesting one based in not formal systems but it's a meta language that's a theory of everything remember this channel is about theories of everything diana pasolka is coming up though that's not scheduled eric weinstein's coming up though that's not scheduled Again, if you would like to see more conversations like this, then please do consider going to patreon.com slash There's a link here. Donate a dollar, donate 10, donate whatever you like, 50 cents. Each one helps much more than you think. Man, thank you all. I appreciate I didn't even get to see how many people were watching. Again, almost 3,000 people, if not more than 3,000 at its peak. Would be awesome if, if I get Sam Harris, says ABG. Sam Harris, I'll need a few months to prepare for. It's on the horizon. What I mean by that is that it's, it will happen at some point. Same with Jordan Peterson. Little is spooky. Kurt, do you feel Jeremy was lying during the interview? I didn't sense that. I don't sense the deceit that some people claim in him nor Lazar. Doesn't mean that they're not obfuscating or that they're not misleading. I don't sense it. I'm also, I also tend to not like questions like that because, as I mentioned, it's strange that this community who's interested in aliens alienate people for believing in someone's scrupulous nature or unscrupulous nature. I think that even if you think someone has, even if you think someone's dishonest, well, I just don't think there should be, they should be met with such excoriation.
Do I have a degree in physics? Yes. How do they move so fast without sonic boom? This is a reason why I asked Luis Alessandro if when the craft went under in a transmedium fashion to the water, was there any trace of a splash? Because I want to know if it's shifting matter at all as it moves. The matter around the craft. Right, Digger Dog said that the UFO community is similar to the Sasquatch community in that way. See, it's so funny because I'm an outsider to this community. I'm, I wouldn't, I don't consider myself a part of it because I don't, I know not, almost nothing. If you watch Jeremy Riss's interview of me from Alien Scientist TV, I pretty much had my mouth shut for 99% of it because there's so little that I know on this topic. Most of the time for the podcasts on this channel, I spend weeks and weeks preparing, reading, even going so far as to read the papers by the interviewees. Whereas, and I'm well informed, but whereas for this topic, it's like I'm in real time being educated. I don't spend time researching this outside of the actual podcast. I do a bit of, I do a bit, I prepare a modicum, I would say, compared to the physics. Excuse me as I try to hold on to my thoughts. It's been, it's been quite a whirlwind lately. I should get some rest and eat as well and spend some time with my wife, which I'm looking forward to doing. Before I go, there's a Discord. The link to that I'll put in the description of this video. If you like, you can join the Discord and talk about this topic in the Discord. There's a sub server, I believe it's it's called a UFO server. So you can talk about UFOs if that's what interests you. I'm mainly interested in what's called theories of everything. Okay, have... A great day, everyone. Thank you so much.